Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, it is great to see you. If you're new or visiting, my name is Joel. I'm our exec pastor here. Welcome to December. You've made it. Does it feel like December? Yes. Joey says yes. The new dad says yes. Joey and Beth, you're doing a great job, guys. You're the best parents that child will ever have. And the worst. (laughs) Well, it's great to see you. We're finishing a series on red flags this morning, um, how we can identify cultural red flags in our world that we should hesitate uh, and evaluate whether we're okay with the destination we're going to get to. We'll do a quick recap. Our first week, um, we looked at an amazing um, business owner, the founder of Tinder, and talked about how red flags have changed in dating. Uh, there used to be red flags of not making enough money. Now it's the profile picture doesn't have enough dogs in it. Uh, and we looked at four different codes that we celebrate God with in our church culture. The first code being Jesus, second, uh, revival third, uh, well, and uh, fourth, the Bible. Those things are what we use to celebrate God. And we looked at the warning, everyone say warning, that a godless church um, doesn't make space for him, hunger for him, or conformity to him. But a God-centered church does make space for him to move, hunger for him to move more, and conformity to his will. And then last week, um, we looked at four more codes, and we looked uh, at an amazing man uh, called Reed Hastings, who is the founder of Netflix, and how Netflix has a radical culture um, that is very people-centered. They communicate information, um, they let people make decisions, take their own holidays, approve their own expense reports. Uh, And we looked at four different codes that we have in our church that we celebrate people with. Everyone say, people. We looked at we are faith people, that we love people, that we're a house of salvation, and that we're better together. And that if our church um, is in a really healthy place and doing this culture, that a loving culture creates space for him to move, hunger for him to move and conformity to him. So we want to be a God-centered church and we want to be a loving church, but we're going to move on to, in a moment, into our week three, but we're going to look at our key scripture from this series in Romans 12, verse uh, one and two. It says this, uh, what's more, everyone say, what's more? Uh, Don't let yourselves, uh, no, back one would be awesome. Don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed. Everyone say, transformers. Amazing. Uh, By the renewing of your mind so that you can work out what God's will is, what is good, acceptable, and complete. I want to look at um, that verse in the message translation, if that's okay with you. Is that okay with you? Yeah, it's going to appear on our screens and it's going to be uh, lovely. In verse 2, it says, So who thinks we should bring back smacking other people's kids in church? No, you're not allowed to smack the the youth pastor's kids. Florence, it's Joel. It's okay. We're going to get through it. Uh, I want want Dad to preach. Let Dad preach. No, he's not going to. Ben, please sit down. Um, It says this in the message. It says, So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, 
going to work and walking around life. Really includes everything there. Sleeping, eating, which is pretty much most of your life, going to work, some of the time you go there so that you can eat and sleep later, um, and you're walking around. Who loves their walking around part of their life where you just find yourself... I mean, Alex went shopping a couple of weeks ago in Shell Harbour and she walked around for hours. She spent about $30, but it was just take your walking around life and place it before God as an offering. This morning, I want to look at four different codes. It's about not just having your culture here on a Sunday, but taking it into your life. Our mission statement as a church is to celebrate God, people, and life. Week one, we did God codes. Week two, we did people codes. And now we're going to do life codes so that our culture is not confined into a 90-minute performance on a Sunday where we argue in the car with our family, but then we smile and we lift our hands at the right point. The same hand that you smacked with this morning is the same hand you worship with. Not just that, but we would take our 24-7 ordinary life eating, sleeping, going to work, even walking around and place it before God as an offering that it would please him, that we wouldn't squeeze into the culture of our world, but we would set a different culture. Is that okay this morning? Let me pray for this and then Prince Giuseppe can take his seat. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here in our midst. We're not going to attempt to do this journey to set kingdom culture on earth without your power. Because we can't. In our own strength, we're unable to love enough, to live a life that is focused on you enough. But Holy Spirit, by your power, we are able to be your church. By your grace, not by our works, we can outwork what it is to be heaven on earth, the body of Christ, the people of God, the family of God. And this morning, God, as I pray as we come around these four codes, that you would... uh, bring life up on the inside of us, that every part, every corner of our lives would be a culture that can be duplicated, a culture that can represent you, that we would be hot, not lukewarm, that those looking at our work life, our sleeping life, our eating life, our walking around life, as much as our Sunday service life would be able to honor you, that our example would be an offering before you this morning. So we ask that you would move and we ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Turn to three people and say, Amen. 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 Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey is a Russian-born German, born uh, on 23rd of January, 1991. She is an heiress. Her inheritance her trust fund is approximately 60 million euros not bad i think she moved uh, from russia to germany to england to paris she did some internships and then in 2013 she moved to new york city and quickly became uh, friends with the powerful the rich the famous The Illuminati. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, And she she made friends 
quick. And within about a year's time, she started making plans of creating the Anna Delvey Foundation, which was going to take this 135 million six-story building uh, and turn it into a members-only club for art, for hotels, uh, hotel suites in there, for workspaces, an exclusive club like Soho House, if anyone knows that, um, for the elite. But she didn't have access to her trust fund until she was a little bit older and no longer in America. She didn't have access to it. So she started uh, borrowing money and trying to get money. The truth is, Anna Delvey is not a Russian-born German. She is a scam artist. What she did is she went to New York and she made up an elaborate story about how much money she had, what was in line for her to borrow money from a hedge fund, about $25 million. She forged documents. She had multiple phone numbers where she was called. She was Swiss accounts approving things. And she got caught. Uh, have, she stole $275,000 from her friends and got caught just before her $25 million loan was approved. She got sentenced to about 12 years time. Anna Delvey, 12 years time, 12 years in jail. She did two years and now she's in house arrest, ready to be sent back to Germany. Anna Delvey was a master in understanding the culture of what she was supposed to be and mimicking it, playing to it. When it comes to the culture of Celebration Church, we can memorize things, master the performance of them, but the goal is not to pretend and to parrot. The goal is to understand and to live. The goal of being a Jesus follower is not, Jesus, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to do it even if my heart isn't in it. The goal is to have your heart in it. The goal is not just to give lip service to God, but to really love God and to really love people and to really outwork the life that God has called you to have. And this morning, as we look at four different codes around life, I want you to learn from Anna Delvey. And not just lift your hands because you're supposed to lift your hands, not just love people because you're supposed to, but to deeply understand the culture and live it in a real way. Because we can all pretend, we can all put on our Sunday best, our black shirt, our black jeans, our black shoes, our cream socks this morning, enjoy them. We can all write four on our hand, we can all do Sunday services. But when the church decides to live this 24-7 culture, she will access the power that is offered to her as being the only group of people in the world connected to the head, Jesus Christ, in the earth. That that would define us and that we would be known by that this morning. So can we look at four codes? Is that okay? Can you give me four? How does everyone count four? This way, this way, this way. Nice. Middle finger missing. Very Christian. Very great. We've got four different codes. The first code is going to appear on the screen. Uh, and as we are blessed to be a blessing. Let's say it together. We are blessed. We are blessed to be. Yeah, we did amazing then. That was great. So good. It's like I started in a different key then, but you were there. That's good. Can we read it together? No, I'm going to read it because it, it sounds too creepy if we all read it together. Actually, let's try to. Ready? One, two, three. We are blessed. Yeah, let's not do that. It's creepy. Fucking um, back at Church of Christ. Uh, it says, whoa, I was there. It's cool. It's, we're tight. It's fine. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing. We believe in generosity. We believe we serve a good God that gives good gifts to us. And we believe we are blessed 
to bless others. There's a few different scriptures on the bottom of the screen. We're going to look at uh, the orange one this morning, which I think is Hebrews, right? I'll race you there. The winner gets their tithe back for the year. I don't think that's a thing, um, but that's... Um, who's got it? You're allowed to say got it when you've got it. I don't have it, but I'll get it. Take your time. Get it. You've got to get your Bibles out. Does anyone got a paper Bible and they're going to work it right now? Hebrews 13 verse 16 uh, says this, And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. This code, our code number two, we are blessed to be a blessing, is not we have so we want so much from God that we have so much overflow that then we can start to bless others. The code of we are blessed to be a blessing is that we would actually use well what God has given us, not hoard it to bless others. So this scripture says, do not forget to do good. In other words, it's easy to forget to do good. It's easy to take care of your needs or your family's needs or what you want for your birthday. Um, But don't forget to do good. Remind yourself to do good things, to bless others. But I love how this scripture uh, unpacks these last words, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I want to challenge you this morning, whatever your level of blessing should be your equal level of sacrifice. It's not I'm blessed so much, so now that when I give, it is easy and comfortable and nice and I love it. The scripture here is reminding us to don't forget to do good because those type of sacrifices please God. When was the last time in your finances, not just on a Sunday and not just towards the church, was your generosity a sacrifice? Because maybe when you first got saved, maybe you were 16, got saved in a youth ministry, it was generous for you to buy someone a $5 meal deal in the cafe. Maybe it was generous for Jeremiah at school to cut his sandwich in half. Jeremiah doesn't have sandwiches. He just has frozen bread with nothing on it that thaws throughout the day and then he eats it. We can afford spreads, but he doesn't eat them because he has a texture problem. It might be generous to do that then, but generosity now should be something different for me. I shouldn't just be like, I'll cut my wicked wing in half and share it with Libby in the office. Generosity is another level. And when it comes to being blessed by God, that God is blessing us, it should result in a higher level of sacrifice. It should be just as uncomfortable as Jeremiah going a little hungry or a youth sacrificing something. It should still make you positioned to please God. Scripture gives us no evidence that it pleases God when we give unsacrificially, but it gives us a lot of proof text to please God by sacrificial blessing other people type giving. And this scripture is not talking about giving towards God himself or Sundays. It's talking about blessing those around us, our life our 24-7 type of life. Yes, inside of your connect group. Yes, inside of your department, but definitely inside of your neighborhood, definitely inside of your supermarket, definitely inside of the school that your kids go to, that you would be blessed to be a blessing. That your blessing would not just separate you from the world, but it would be God to people. 
that you would be answered prayer for those around you. So a red flag is hoarding blessing. Should you save for a rainy day? Yes, but you have no idea how much it will pour. (laughs) Should you be faithful with your finance? Yes, but your faithfulness should have a very significant, intentional component of generosity. If it doesn't, don't expect it to please God. Faithfulness without generosity doesn't sound very faithful to me. Does it sound faithful to you? Yes. Okay, you're not going to answer that one. We're blessed to be a blessing. Our second code that's going to appear uh, on the screen this morning is we are innovators. Everyone say innovators. Let me read it for us. We are pioneer. We pioneer so that the future is better. We think outside the box. We solve problems, and we champion creativity. We don't give up easily. Can we say that together? We don't give up easily. We go the extra mile. We aren't afraid of hard work. We do whatever it takes. Again, these four codes aren't just talking about Sundays, but your lifestyle. Firstly, is it blessed to be a blessing? And then secondly, is there a level of creativity and innovation on the church that the world can look to and see a culture from somewhere else? A culture that's not afraid to go an extra mile or a culture that's not afraid to turn the other cheek, a culture that has a Joseph spirit that is working things out for future generations and benefits and seasons that are yet to come. Do we pioneer so that the future is better? Is the church known for her innovation or is she lagging behind the culture set by the world, squeezing herself in to fit in? Or is the creator and the people connected to the creator still the most creative entity body on the face of the earth? And not just in her Sunday expression, but in how she sees problems reaching people in the workplace or problems in your management, in your career, problems in friendships and and the life outside of here, are we innovators? Are we problem solvers? Or have we divided ourselves into two weird groups of people, which I don't really understand, glass half full and glass half empty? We'll talk about that in a second because I'm neither of those things. Um, But we'll get there. Can we look at this scripture in Colossians? I'll race you there. First person that gets it um, gets six months of sabbatical leave. Got it. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The reason why we're not afraid of hard work or going the extra mile is because as the church of Jesus Christ, we should not just be in love with the destination. We should be in love with walking with Jesus every single day. There's an old saying uh, that the one who loves walking walks further than the one that loves the destination. That if you are in love with the actual journey of doing it, if the day in and day out is worship to the Lord, 
and you fall in love with being obedient to him, you fall in love with bringing his solutions into the world, being a prophetic-led person in your circumstances that's led by a voice that isn't just fault-finding and playing around, but you're led by your quiet time, you're led by your intimacy with him, therefore you innovate in the earth, therefore you are seated with him in heavenly places, your mind are on things above, you think about things that you should be thinking about, and you change the things around you, you're above the storm, you're seated above the giant, you're above all of those problems. When you're that type of person, you're not afraid of obedience or faithfulness or working out your salvation, because you're in love with just walking with God. And this scripture gives us this really awesome truth. Whatever you do, do it as you are working for him, not for humans. This morning, church, I want to encourage you in your life, are you afraid of hard work? Maybe you went through school and school teaches you, what do I have to do to pass? If I pass, I get through. Unless you're Paul Isaac, where he, like anything less than 99, he gets in trouble. From God, from his parents, from us. He's going to be a doctor and we don't want him to be a GP, okay? We want specialists. We want specialists over here. No offense if you're a GP. You guys did great too. Um. <laughs> Nat's doing a digging motion at the back. I'm not, I'm not even starting yet. I can dig, man. I, you, know how, you know I can dig. I can dig. I can dig. I should get a shirt. This is, I can dig. Black on black. In your life, are you known in your workplace for going the extra mile? In your life, are you known for not giving up easily? In your life, are you, a no, are you known for not being afraid of hard work, for doing whatever it takes? Because there is, a, there is a way of following God where you don't believe work is important anymore, but it's not really in line with the New Testament. The disciples didn't just sit there and do absolutely nothing and then just no, 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 there was work involved. We'll get to a few of them in a moment. So the red flags are simply laziness. Or the red flags internally in our thinking as innovators can be this glass half empty or negativity. I'm not a glass half full person and I'm not a glass half empty person. I'm like a, um, I'm a realist. So if the glass is empty, I'll be like, it's empty, let's fill it up. If it's full, I'll be like, let's pour it out. The glass is always moving. It is not stagnant. It is just, okay, this is a circumstance we're dealing with. What can God do? What can we think? How can we solve this problem? There's no water. Okay, let's smash the glass and steal some water. Like, oh, problem solve the situation. If you're constantly looking at situations like, oh, there's not enough. We can't do it. You need to be mindful of who we're connected to. The creator that we are made in the image of should be our guide. So it's not how much water is in there. It's what can we do with the water? It's not that there wasn't enough fish and bread. It's what can Jesus do if we place it in his hands? Innovators think like that. But not for Sunday. The hosts don't have enough people. How can we innovate and how can we get two brooms in one hand and how can we get this thing working more efficiently? But in every area of your life, would people say of the celebration youth in schools, the celebration adults in workplaces, the celebration kids in primary schools, that they think outside of the box? Or are they conforming to an image that is lacking creativity, lacking intimacy with the Creator? Let's celebrate our lives well with God. Let's think outside the box. The third code this morning uh, is we are leaders who raise leaders. This code is all about not being task-orientated, but being people 
orientated. It's not even the act of leading and how much you can lead and the function of it. It's that we are leaders who raise leaders. It is always about the people business, empowering other people to use their gifts. It says, we believe everyone is called to lead and succeed in life. We don't only lead people, we raise up leaders. Leaders in all areas and spheres of life. The gift of leadership is there, not just to lead people, but to raise up leaders. Moses' job is not just to lead the four million people out of Egypt, it is to raise up his replacement, to take it further than he could. Jesus' job is not just to save the world, it's to raise up 12 disciples, perhaps 70 or 72 disciples, to outwork the early church. Because if Jesus just did the job, you wouldn't be here. If Jesus didn't raise up the 12 disciples, you wouldn't be here. The job wasn't just to save the world. The job was to save the world and teach people to take the good news and go make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, if we use the metric of you in your life, do you consider yourself a leader or a follower? Are you waiting for Vision Sunday, early Feb, to work out what we're about to do in the next season because the family theme is kind of getting a little bit old? Or are you leading in your workplace? Are you leading in your school? Are you leading in your family? And leadership is not a flex of power. We're going to look at Matthew 20, verse 25. When you've got it, you know what to say. Matthew 20, verse 25 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and anyone who wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The model of leadership of Jesus is serving. That model outworks in many different ways. That model outworks in Jesus speaking to people that are on the outside of what is acceptable and loving them and, and bringing them in. It outworks with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It outworks with Jesus being on a cross. It outworks with Jesus overcoming the grave. It outworks with Jesus in Acts 2. There is many expressions of servant leadership, but it is all using your opportunity and your power to make a way for others. If Jesus was here right now, would he be washing your feet? I don't know. Jesus is still serving the church. Jesus is no less servant today as he was when washing feet. So there's many different ways to serve. Maybe if you're leading a department, you're a department leader in this church, your job is not to fill a role on the roster, that if I keep on serving at that level, no, you're, the way that you serve is you diligently lead that team. You look after their health, you empower them, you train them. Is that any less serving? It depends on your heart. It depends if you're lording it over with your leadership position or you use your position to point people to King Jesus, to help them to discover their own relationship with him. That's the difference between following the pattern of the world and taking your everyday living and offering it as an offering to God. 
I pray that your life would not be task-orientated, but it would be raising up leaders. Let's debunk what leadership is. Leadership is someone standing up, taking responsibility for a situation and a group of people. And then taking God to those people and leading them forward like a shepherd would lead sheep. It is easier to sit down and stay silent than it is to stand up and place a target on your back, your front, the side of your face, and every word that comes out of your mouth. But we're a church that believes everyone is called to lead and to succeed in life, that we don't only lead people, we raise up leaders, leaders in all areas and spheres of life. We don't lord it over, but we use every opportunity that we get to help people in their own journeys with him. What are the red flags inside of us when it comes to this? Silence, an unwillingness to step up, an unwillingness to take responsibility, a quickness to point the buck towards someone else or look for some leadership structure graph and who's the person that we can point to or in your workplace that's not my responsibility but if we're the type of people we're called to be let's firstly lead and then let's raise up other people to do the same to stand up to take responsibility and point people to the solution in this all a red flag is we're afraid of the word leadership i said it last sunday imagine the bible without leaders imagine our faith without leaders we wouldn't have one from Adam and Eve through to John writing Revelations, for Paul, the churches that he is starting, the 12 disciples, every king, every prophet, every psalmist, minor, major prophets, every book that we have, every prophet that raised up another prophet and another prophet, every leader, the the pioneer, the Paul creating the Timothy, it is someone stepping up in their generation and saying, I'm not afraid to stand up for him. It is David in the midst of the army. It is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. This book is filled with someone that is willing to not run away from the title of a leader, but to say, I'll stand up for my workplace. I'll stand up for my school, my neighborhood, my city. It's not on their backs and their wickedness. I will bring heaven to earth. And then raise it up again. Are any of those red flags in you? I don't want to be a connect leader. I want to be a free spirit. Cool. Good luck. I want to be with people that are willing to get their hands dirty and stand shoulder to shoulder and fight for each other and believe in each other and be willing to stand up for a generation, be willing to say what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I'm willing to stand up, be heard, even though I might be misunderstood, misinterpreted, I might be just attacked and persecuted i am going to stand up not for me but for the benefit of those behind me i will innovate and i will raise up leaders that will do the same because there's many shooting stars you can come through and not take responsibility and be like look at how you do this look at this and you can you can show off your little gift and your talent character builds the church people that are willing to outwork their salvation with Jesus and allow it to change and transform them and then not raise up leaders by their words but to raise up leaders by their life. Discipleship is not you teaching some skill to the next person. That is so small. Discipleship is follow me as I follow Christ. I might teach you some things. Google can teach you more than I can, to be honest. But hopefully my spirit 
Hopefully my intimacy with God, hopefully my culture and my habits, so they're not just ideals, but they're things that I live in my every day, eating, sleeping, working and walking around, that you would be able to follow that example. That is how you raise up leaders, church. First, put your hand up and say, I will lead. It will be, there'll be people, let me tell you, there's a Judas in every connect. Man, there's a few people here right now, there's lots of Judases. They're probably on the front row statistically, just from my personal experience inside of our church. No offense, you're back row, you're probably not a Judas. Everyone's looking at me like, which one is it? It's all of them. Bar these two, these guys are good, Kathy and Alan, but the rest of you, Alex, you know, you know. Raise up some leaders, church. In your work, in your school. If your salvation starts and ends with you, cool salvation. I think it's a bit bigger than that. I think this Jesus that says, I did not come to be served, but to serve, is setting an example for us to serve our communities in the same way. The last code in our series, our final code is code number 12. Save the best for first. The best was Jesus. It was the first one we did. Um, but let's look at we will celebrate. It says we will celebrate joyfully, loudly, and constantly. Like a long cheer. Good news is good news, and we will celebrate all victories. Again, there's some passages on the screen, but we're going to look at one in Luke chapter 10. I want to jump around a couple of verses in Luke 10, not read the entire passage because I'm not Pastor Nat. And I can't read that long because I was in a special class at school. Speaking of Pastor Nat, he's here. Hey, how you doing? Fresh off a of vape outside. Okay, joking, joking. Yikes. Read the room, Joel. Read the room. Dig the hole and jump in. And bury yourself. <laughs> Luke 10, uh, verse 1. This passage is Jesus commissioning his 70 or 72 disciples. Not just his three, not just his 12, but his boys. Um, verse 1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into the ark. One of every... No, okay, sorry, wrong. Into every town and place where he was about to go. So Jesus commissions these disciples and sends them everywhere he's about to go. This is an interesting style of leadership. This is my disciples go before me, not follow beneath me. It's interesting. Verse 2 is often a passage that we quote extravagantly out of context to excuse our responsibility to raise up disciples. And it says, He told them, The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. This passage, this verse is quoted in two different references. This is one of them. We use that scripture to be like, the way that we get workers is we pray to God and he does it. 
we mismanage who God has given us and we pray for a miracle that people from Narrow City Church will join our church and be willing to work. We pray that the Anglican Church would send some people our way and that would be great. The Church of Christ, Narrow Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, we will take, we'll take Greek Orthodox, we'll even go to Catholics. We don't mind. We pray that God would send us workers, people that are willing to do the work. That's how we use that scripture. Pray to God so that he will do it because he has to do it. But the context is he just sent them out already that is not an excuse for us not to disciple that is not an excuse for us not to lead people that is praying is not an excuse for you to be lazy asking God to do your part is not a way to pray to Jesus you can't be like Jesus please do my job and then worship me that would be nice you do the discipling job I'll do the commissioning you and telling you what to do job. It's kind of around the wrong way. So if we're going to be leaders who raise up leaders, if we're going to be the disciples that Jesus called us to disciple, we shouldn't use prayer as an excuse not to be faithful, but instead we should add our action in with our prayer. We should be filled with both grace and truth. We should be outworking this grace that God has given us, but we should be also applying it to our own lives in such a true and real way verse 17 is when the boys come back the boys are back in town famous prophecy the 72 returned with joy some translations said they returned celebrating and said lord even the demons submit to us in your name I love that it's even the demons. In other words, everyone does and the demons. These boys are on a high. They are filled with joy. They are celebrating. They are very pumped that God sent them out into all these villages he was about to go in, that they worked it out, that they led. There's instructions, multiple instructions throughout the four Gospels on what these guys did when they went out and how they dusted off their feet and all the different things. We won't go into those things. But they come back pumped. They don't come back saying, we saved so many people, there were so many miracles. What they come back pumped about is the demons. Good voice? I don't know. The demons. More annoying? Demons. We give them like a barrett, like we normally give them more bass, like more, but the demons. Let's give them a pubescent boy voice. Demons. Let's give them that. No offense to the pubescent boys in the room. God will heal you soon enough. <laughs> Jesus says in verse, verse 18, let's, get, let's go to 18, let's read it as well. It says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I see lightning, I hear thunder from heaven. I, that's not the context of that, I don't think. I think that's talking about Satan falling. Um, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Let's apply it right now. Host, bring out the snakes. Okay, there's churches that do that, and they're called Narrow Baptist Church. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. My gosh, everyone relax. We're all a family. It's cool. And to overcome all powers of the enemy, nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Verse 21 says, At this Jesus, full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, or in other translations, celebrating in the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Or my translation in my office says you've hidden them from the wise and learned and revealed them to babies. Which I love that translation better. I love that the 70 are standing there and he's saying to God, thank you that you didn't reveal this to the wise and learned but to little babies. I love that. I love that he's saying this in front of them before God. I just think it's hilarious. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been submitted to me by you, Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him, speaking of these 72 disciples. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that my prophets, uh, sorry, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This passage is awesome because this outlines what it is for Jesus to commission his disciples, or for us today, us to send out people we are leading to do things. They come back, they celebrate something odd. But Jesus' response is some direction. He says, yes, it's awesome that these demons, yes, scorpions, snakes, trample, trample, trample. But it's better that you know who you are, that your name is written in the book of life. But then it doesn't say Jesus slumps into a depression because they focused on the wrong thing. It doesn't say Jesus had a meeting and tried to problem solve why they focused on the wrong things and send them to a clinical psychologist to help them unpack all of the problems of why they were focused on the wrong thing and what trauma was attached to that. No, no, no. Jesus stops, joyfully celebrates towards God. Thank you that you have revealed these things to these disciples and is filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that points out to his close disciples, do you know that the prophets wanted to see this, but they haven't and you have and that makes me excited that God has chosen to reveal these things to you that he chose to use you my disciples what does that mean for us today that we will celebrate joyfully loudly and constantly that good news is good news when those boys came back didn't understand everything still good news we will celebrate all victories whatever the victory is Benny and the team know in our youth ministry that sometimes a kid sitting through a whole service is the first time they've sat through anything for 90 minutes. All their teachers don't know what to do. They can't, they have to go to the toilet 14 times. Them to sit in a service is a victory worth celebrating. For you, unless you have IBS, it's not a big win. If you do, great win as well. We should have IBS passes for the toilet during the service. But that's a victory worth celebrating. Is it a victory worth celebrating that someone that... No, we celebrate all victories. The thing that I love about um, altar calls, when people put their hands up, in 101 that we've done uh, three or four different times in our church, um, there was one, 101, which is believing for 100 decisions for Jesus in the course of a month. There was one where one young person responded eight times in one month. That's a lot of times to get saved. Each time is a different level of heaven. <laughs> like this is like, you're like the back seats where you like see down. You can get cool photos for your social medias, but, um, but when you get to the top, you're like you're on the stage. 
and everyone's looking at you. Like, I don't know, is there a stage? I don't know how heaven works. I'm pretty sure it's a large auditorium, like a mega church. I'm pretty sure that's what heaven is. That's what we're modeling here. So pretty sure this is the setup. In yeah, general terms, yeah, this is what we're doing. And every time you get saved, you go, no, no. This young person kept on having a revelation that I have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, and that I need saving that I have missed the mark, that I have fallen over, and was the first time real or was the last time real? Or should we just celebrate every time someone says, I need Jesus? I need him. I need to respond to him. There's something in me that I need to receive something. That is something worth celebrating. And I'll celebrate it if you did it once at a Billy Graham crusade and never looked back. And I'll celebrate it if you did it 25 times across one year in our youth ministry. It is worth celebrating. I'll celebrate the victory of when you were burnt out, you started serving again. I'll celebrate the victory that you actually forgave and were healed and restored in relationship with leadership in the church. We will celebrate all types of victories. We'll celebrate the first time you serve and the last time you serve. Your first Sunday and your last Sunday. We're a church that it's on our front sign. It's in our website domain. It's written everywhere. We celebrate. So what's our red flags? Do we don't celebrate? There's a red thing on the screen. Relax. It's all fine. We'll read it right now. A culture, a 24-7 culture creates space for him, hunger for him, and conformity to him. That these four codes are all about celebrating life, not just celebrating service. Not 10 a.m., but 10 p.m. Wednesday when you're stressing about something in your workplace. 10 a.m. on a Thursday at recess at school for our students. Is that when recess is? I don't know. Remember the show Recess? Great show. Let's watch that. Nickelodeon. We'll watch it next Sunday. We'll watch all of the seasons. Watch party. Okay, relax. It's fine. But when a church actually understands that it's called to be 24-7 this type of culture, not performance, not parroting, not Anna Delvey on a Sunday, but outworking, understanding this culture, knowing this culture, and living it out in our lives. Yes, God-centered Yes, people-focused, but not letting life be a different type of worship than our sing-song worship. That it would all be a fragrance to Him. That we would hear and see what He is doing and get to be in the group of people that are celebrated by Jesus Himself. That we are outworking the ministry. That we are doing something with what we've been given. As keys jump up, and I want it to be the fourth keyboardist of the day, great, here we go. All I know is we don't lack keyboardists in this church. If we're, doing, if we're rostering four on a service, I think we're doing pretty good. As we recap, uh, on the screen is going to be our 12 different codes and all the verses that you need. You can read that, right? The verses that we've looked at over this Serious, And I want us, church, please don't think that it's your responsibility to specialize in number three and neglect number 11. Let me do this one, but not that one. I'm a vertical or a horizontal Christian. They're not terms in the Bible. That's not a real thing. Okay? If you're like, I'm more this and other people are more that, that's not here. Hello? Are there more gifts that minister to God more? No. There are not. Prophecy does not minister to God more, more than serving. That's not true. It's not true. Worshipping, as in singing a song, isn't more worshipping God than being generous to someone in McDonald's. That is not true. 
They're not some gifts that are more, this is for God, this is for people. When Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? He does not answer, love God, full stop. He says, love God, and the second is like this. He will not answer your question. He will not let you worship him alone. He will not let you love him alone, where you're just pampering God with feathers and flags and, and horns. Just, this, is, this is worship. That's not it. It's to love God and to love people, to outwork this in our life in a real way. It is not your job to specialize in one thing and someone else will do the rest. Well, I'm not good with new people. Get good with new people like King Jesus was. The introvert of King Jesus, the one that wandered off and sat by himself and starts his ministry by hanging out with the devil in the desert. That Jesus is still... Meeting some new people. Well, my gift isn't empathy. I'm more of a truth teller. Stop it. Stop speaking. Stop it. Shut your mouth. Learn how to love. Because your truth without it is a clanging symbol. My job is to play an instrument. Stop it. Don't be silly. It's not. It's to love people. It's to love God. Stop it. That is no more worship than what Nat does in 10 more minutes. It's not. God is not any more impressed with that than that. They're both a gift that we're supposed to outwork. We're supposed to be faithful with them both. This code is not learning some things and parroting them. It's living them. Does this, out, does this outwork everything that it is to be a Jesus follower? Of course not. There's a few more pages, right? There's more codes in James. There's about 48 codes in James. But please, church, don't miss the opportunity it is to actually be the church of Jesus Christ, not pretend that we are by our attendance, hands, giving. Live the culture 24-7. Our last slide uh, on the screen. This code, this code, this culture, our culture can either create or crush God in our lives. This can create space for him to move. This can create hunger that you just hunger for him more and more and more. And this can create a culture that is acceptable and it is the expectation that you conform your will to his will every chance you get. Or our culture can crush space for him. And the foundation that we give him is incapable of holding up what he wants to do. And it can crush our hunger for him. Where we thirst for approval, we hunger for more of our pride, we become more self-focused, our hope is around us, we become the center of our universe. We crush our hunger, our appetite turns or it crushes our conformity, our view, our, our priority becomes what can we, how can we be heard? What can we say? How do I share my opinion? Me, me, me. And our conformity culture gets crushed right down to Jesus. This is what I'm willing to do if you ask me. It's, it's where we get moments where like we worship God on a Sunday, but we're an atheist in our giving. We no longer think that there's a God and we stress and worry. It's the, this is all I'm going to conform to you, Jesus. 
but our culture spread out wide. That space in every area of your life, that hunger in every area of your life, and that conformity to a higher way is a better way to live. So my encouragement around our code and our culture is live it. Learn of someone that's better than you. If there's an innovator in the room, you're like, that person thinks differently. Learn. Think differently. Repent. Change your thinking. That's what the repent means. Change your thinking. Keep growing. Keep learning. Unless you're dead. And then stay there. Don't stay with your glass half empty or your glass half full. Keep on growing. Keep on learning this morning. Next Sunday, we have Stat Sunday. The Sunday after that, we are officially opening our hospitality area. There is no jumping castle. That is false advertising. But Lincoln will be out there and you can jump on him. He'll lay down on his belly. He'll drink lots of water because he's skinny enough to make that watery noise with his tum-tum and you can jump on him and that will be great. And then we have Christmas and no New Year's Day service. Oh my gosh. You'll have to worship the Lord in your own time. We will not be helping you that day. Because now will be too sleepy after his fireworks. Can I pray for us this morning? Dear Daddy God. No, okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit, you're not different today than tomorrow. Our access is determined our willingness just to be open to you you're accessible you're here you're here in an hour you're with us tomorrow tonight highs and lows you're with us help us to not try and lead based off the pattern of this world but to lead off that intimacy with you help us to be more mindful of you than we ever have been before and may it not just be for worship for you but may others witness it may they witness our generosity our innovation. May they witness our, our love for your word. May they witness our desire for revival. May they witness it all. And may our invitation not lead people to you, Jesus, but may our life, not our handouts, not our website, not our service, but as your church goes outside of her four walls, I pray that she actually goes outside of her four walls She goes into Aldi and food works, Woolworths, Coles, takeaway, that we go into every corner of our world carrying a culture that is not our own. And lastly, God, give us your strength. Give us your grace. Would you help us to do impossible things, things that we could not do without you? May demons and those things be crushed, but may we live out of a life that is on a higher level. And as we go out this week, may you bless our church, protect them, walk with them, and help them not to miss moments. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. We love you, church. Have a fantastic day. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.